0: Amen. Hey, let's open God's Word together to John chapter 4. If you need a Bible, there's one in a seat back somewhere nearby you. Uh, just uh, get, get God's Word in front of you as we continue to walk through the gospel of John into chapter 4 today. Um, as you settle there, let me start with a question to just prompt us. And the question is this, when's the last time you came to Jesus desperate? And if you think about that word desperate, we, we, we know when we truly are desperate. You, you, you know it. Desperate, desperate has a sound to it. Desperate has a feel to it. When's the last time you found yourself coming before your Lord desperate, needing to see him work, knowing that apart from him intervening, there is no hope? Now I, I need us to start there from a, from a place of understanding what it looks like to be desperate because what we 're going to study today is, is it 's an encounter between a dad who is the very definition of desperate uh, coming before jesus and, and as we get into the circumstances that have led this dad on a long journey by foot to where jesus is we 'll understand why he is desperate, but something 's going to happen in this encounter a, a couple things so the first we 're going to see the next sign that John unpacks in his gospel. Now remember, uh, throughout John's gospel, He records these seven different signs or miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, William Hendrickson, who wrote a great commentary on the Gospel of John, he says this, a sign is a proof of divine authority and majesty. And so John is recording for us again and again these times where Jesus shows himself, in fact, that he really is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And John tells us that the whole purpose of his gospel is that we'd see these signs and that we would believe that Jesus really is the Christ. And so we're going to look at the second of these seven signs here today and what Jesus does. But as with all the signs, this isn't ultimately about the sign itself. It's not ultimately about the miracle itself. This particular miracle has great importance to get at the heart of what it really means to come to Jesus as Savior, to come to Jesus for who He is, not just what He can do. And and, and you get a little bit of that as John sets up the setting of this sign. So get in your Bible, John 4, verse 43, and and let me just kind of give the setting of this encounter between Jesus and this desperate dad. Verse 43, after the two days, he departed for Galilee. And then John gives some comments here. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Now, John is doing more here than just setting up geographically where Jesus is going. Uh, we're told in verse 43 that uh, after two days, what, what two days? If you remember last week, uh, we encountered Jesus uh, with the woman at the well. Uh, he reveals himself, to her. He tells her, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been looking for. They go to the town. They stay in the town of Sychar there for two days. And it's now after those two days that Jesus continues his journey north to Galilee. If you remember at Sychar, uh, Jesus had revealed himself to Samaritans. And there, there's a lengthy kind of animosity between Jew and Samaritan. But at his word, At him just saying, I am the Messiah, many Samaritans come to believe. Now, as he's going back to, quote-unquote, his people in Galilee, how will they respond? And John gives us this comment here. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. or, Or that word hometown could be translated homeland. So Jesus is from Galilee. He's going back to Galilee. Will the Galileans embrace him simply at his word that he is the Messiah? And it seems like at first they do. Verse 45, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans, what's your Bible say? They what? They welcomed him. And all seems right, and they're embracing him. But then John tells us why they welcomed him. They welcomed him because they, a lot of them were down at the feast of Passover and they saw those really amazing things Jesus was doing. So as he's coming back to Galilee, they're like, more of that. Let's go see what else this guy can do. And what John is doing is he is setting up something here. He's setting up something that, that I'll state kind of, it's kind of the big idea of today. And it's this, we must see Jesus for who he is not just what he can do. We must see Jesus for who he is, not just what he can do. And now this is the setting of a desperate dad traveling miles to encounter Jesus here. And Jesus is going to use this encounter to teach us what it really means to come to him as we bring some of our most desperate requests before him. So let me pray and let's ask for God's help. Father, as we just walk through this story now in your word, Lord, I just ask that your word would do what your word does. Lord, please encourage our hearts, convict our hearts, rebuke us where we need it. Lord, breathe life into our hearts where we need it. God, please use this word, use your word right here in a deep way in each and every heart. What's so amazing, Lord, is you know how to perfectly um, use your word in each of the individual hearts in this room, and you know how to use your word collectively for us as a church. So God, I'm asking that you would do a great work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, f- four parts I want to walk through this story in. Uh, the first is simply come and see, come and see. Come and see. Second part, go, go in faith. Third part, see him work. Fourth part, believe in him. Come and see, go in faith, see him work, believe in him. Let's start, let's start with, uh, sorry, not come and see, come and ask. Let's start with come and ask. Look at what happens here in verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So let's just stop there and understand something. Jesus is back in Cana. This is where uh, he was at the wedding before, and he turned the water into wine. Um, Fifteen miles east of Cana is the town of Capernaum. And it says there's an official. In this town, what that probably meant is someone who worked for Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the Roman Tetrarch or ruler of that region. Someone who worked from him had a son who was ill and we're about to be told how ill. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, He went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, if we can just take it, just slow down for a minute, take a deep breath, because sometimes when we're reading our Bible, we read lines like that, but we don't feel lines like that. Kind of just get into the reality of life. How do you feel? when you hear the news of a sick child to the point of death. Now, how would you feel if that was your child? So we got to understand something here, that a dad, literally at one of the most desperate places of his life, has just made a 15-mile walk from Capernaum to Cana, because his son back home is laying on his deathbed. How does desperate walk? How does desperate search once you get to the town of Cana? How does desperate talk when, you find, when your eyes finally lay on Jesus? This is, this is a guy who is beyond desperate. And he's come. And it, the, our Bible tells us he's, he's made a request. He's asked of something. And what has he asked Jesus, to do, come down and heal my son. Now, I, I just want to stop there before we go on in the story, and I just, I just want to ask this question of us today: um, What do you need to come and ask of Jesus desperately this morning? Where do you need to come with a sense of desperation for something in your life? Maybe you walk in here today, and your faith is is beyond dry. Doubt has ravaged it. You know you're spiritually spiraling, and it feels like there's no no bottom to it. Where do you need to come with a sense of desperation to ask your Lord for something today? And maybe you're here today, and your marriage literally has the faintest of a pulse left in it. And for, for, for anyone from a human perspective, from the outside looking in, it looks like it's completely done. Where do you need to come with a sense of desperation before Jesus this morning? Maybe you have a loved one lost, a prodigal, out on the run, someone in your family, a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, a son, daughter, a friend who seems so far beyond the hope of God. Where do we need to come with a sense of desperation this morning? Uh, some of us, where do you need to re-desperate? You know what I mean by that? You were desperate about some of the things I just listed, but after years and years of prayer and prayer and prayer, the desperation has just kind of gone away, and you're, you've just kind of given up. Where do we need to come desperate before our Lord this morning? Because this dad came Desperate. Unless Jesus does something, his son is dead. And now, look at what's just been presented before Jesus. He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I promise you, what is coming next is not at all what you would have expected Jesus to say as the first thing out of his mouth. Verse 48, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Come on, I don't care if you've walked with Jesus for decades, you weren't expecting that. What? Not even an acknowledgement of what this guy said in particular about his son. Jesus doesn't even bring up the son. This, this isn't what we would expect from the one who we know literally is love incarnate. What we, what we probably would have expected is Jesus getting on his level and weeping with him and saying, let's go, I'll heal. But, but, but we do know something about Jesus. He is perfectly loving What he says here is not uncompassionate. He's doing something to get at the heart of this Galilean father. And more than that, to get at the heart of all of these Galileans watching and listening. What we have to understand when we read, unless you see signs, that you there is a plural you. That's a y'all. Jesus is saying, unless you all, yes, he's talking to the Father, but he's using a plural you. And this is a bit of an indictment on the Galileans. This is a battle Jesus has again and again with his own Jewish people. You guys always want to see signs, more miracles, more things. Take me at my word. I am the one you're looking for. And so Jesus is setting something up here, and he's doing it out of deep love for this dad and out of deep love for these people. Unless you all see signs, you will not believe. But the dad responds the way you would if you were the dad as well. Verse 40, 49, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He says, come down and heal my son. Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The dad doesn't even give that any time. He's like, I I don't care. I don't know. You just got to come down and heal my son. Now look at what happens next. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, what's the first word? Jesus said to him, what? Go. What, what, What did the dad come and ask Jesus to do? Come, come with me. Jesus says to him, Go, your son will live. Will this dad take Jesus at his word? Would you have taken Jesus at his word? Now, if we're quick to say yes, it's maybe due to the fact that we have 2,000 years of history of a vantage point without the reality that we're not reading a story about our son laying there on a deathbed. Would you be able, after a 15-mile walk, the whole time thinking what's going to happen if this all goes well, Jesus is actually going to come with me, walk 15 miles back. I'm going to be in the room when Jesus performs this miracle on my son. And instead, Jesus says, go, your son will live. And this dad is left in that moment having to take Jesus at his word. So what's he do? The man, what's your Bible say? The man, say it again, believed, and what did he believe? He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. understand the big picture of what John is trying to communicate. John has already set up the stage that the problem with the Galileans faith is that they just wanted the signs Jesus could do. You all just want signs. You all just want signs. Jesus in his providence and his wisdom and his sovereignty has a dad come, stand before him, please come with me and heal my son. He stands here in the middle of Galilee and he says, go, your son will live. And this dad now becomes a model of responding in faith to a people who just wanted to be in the room to see the next sign. Come and ask. The second thing I would exhort us to today is this, go in faith. Come and ask. Go in faith. As this dad turns his face back to Capernaum, he has to take Jesus at his word. My hope for us today, as we seek to bring some application from the story into the desperate things we're asking of the Lord some of which I've already mentioned, some of which might apply to your life. As we come from a place of desperation to ask the Lord of some things, will we allow faith to arise in our hearts today to believe that God is actually able to intervene in these things? That God is actually able to move in these things. If you did walk in with a spiraling faith assaulted by doubt, do you believe today that Jesus has the power to right that ship? If your marriage really is left with the faintest of a pulse, do you believe in the power of a Lord named Jesus to breathe life back into your marriage? if you have walked in and there does seem to be someone you love with all your heart who is so far from the Lord, will you believe that our God is able to go get, to go chase down that heart like the hound of heaven and go get him or go get her? Do you believe that? Let faith arise today. Because I'm telling you, we can't even understand the the moment in this dad when he begins walking back home by himself, needing to take Jesus at his word. Now, as I exhort us to let faith arise today, don't don't miss what the dad believed in. What did the dad believe? What's your Bible say? He believed his word. So what I'm not doing right now is giving you some locker room pep talk on faith to go just muster up more faith and it'll happen. No, you take Jesus at his word. You take him at his word. And you're like, well, easy for him. He got to go talk to him. He would be jealous of us. We get the spirit and dwell in his word with us all the time we can hide it in our hearts so it goes with us everywhere we go. This, is, this matters. Because if, if, if you don't understand this, all you'll hear this now is a, is a faith locker room pep talk, and then you'll go out and something will happen opposite of what you wanted to happen in the circumstance, and you'll go, what's that? where's my God now? No, you take him at his word. What does his word say about how he can revive your spiritual vitality? What does his word say about how a marriage is restored? What does his word say about his love and compassion to chase down those that are far from him? We have to anchor, listen to me now, we anchor a reviving of hope in what he has said in his word. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Or a new song that I'm liking lately, the chorus goes like this. Listen to this. i you your word. If you said it, I believe i seen how good it was. If you saw- Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about singing that for you. (laughs) Then I thought again. (laughs) So the dad takes him at his word. And this is so crucial in the heart of Galilee. The Samaritans had just taken Jesus at his word and believed in Messiah. I I don't think, and and I'll show you later in the text why, I don't think the dad has like a holistic saving faith. He's just believed in this, this account that Jesus will do what he says he'll do. And so he's headed back now to Capernaum. And God is so good that before he even gets back home, he hears that God is at work. Verse 51, as he was going down... His servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So we come and ask, we go in faith, and then this is so fun. We see him work. We see him work. Think about that moment. The dad, from, for all we know, for all we can tell, he is by himself. He's walking back now. Off in the distance, there's a group of men. As they come closer, he realizes it's his servants, and they got, they got news. He, he's getting better. The, the fever's gone. And the dad, right? The dad, he's got to know. Why? Because this whole walk, you know he's been wrestling with the, 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 the moments of deep faith. Yes, he really will do it. He really will make good on his word. Mixed with the, motion, the moments of doubt. I'm, I went by myself. I'm coming back by myself. Will this really work? And he's like, when did it happen? When did it happen? They're like, uh, yesterday, like the seventh hour. And he's like, that's, that's the moment. That's the moment. By the power of his word over long distance, Jesus heals a child on his deathbed. See him work. Man, if you came in desperate today and there's something he's reviving in your heart by the work of the Spirit, a faith is arising again And maybe your faith tank's going from half full to full, or maybe you're just back on the radar. Walk out of here with eyes open to see him work. Oh, by the way, him working could be uh, answering in ways that are different than what you want. Right? Right? And what if that in itself is following him in faith as well? What if that in itself is following him even in greater faith? God, I've been asking for this. You have said no, or you have said not yet, or you have chosen a different way. You are good, and you are wise, and you are sovereign. I believe and I trust in you. Come and ask. Go in faith. See him work. And oh, by the way, when we see God work, right, I am so bad at this because the way i'm wired sometimes it's like i'm praying i'm asking i'm praying i'm asking and then the lord is working and doing it and i'm on to the next thing stop and celebrate stop and celebrate i've told this story before i was talking this this land we're sitting on as a church right now we got for ten dollars ten dollars ten dollars and I'm talking to my pastor buddy in Toronto and as all of this was going down and I'm telling him the story and and, and he's like, Brock, stop. And then he lovingly and gently rebuked me. He goes, you're talking about all this like it's normal. Step back, you're too close to the miracle and celebrate. And I mean, the, the spirit of God through the gentle rebuke of my friend, just, oh my goodness, Lord, I have not celebrated The work you've done. What is is the, in in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, when the prodigal comes home, what do they do? They party. It's okay to say party in church, right? (laughs) We can sanctifiedly party. They party. Believers should be the most celebratory people out there celebrating daily the work the Lord is doing. But if we've come in desperate for some things and we're watching God move and work in those, let's stop and let's see Him work and let's celebrate what He's doing. But now, remember, the point of the signs isn't ultimately about the sign itself. The signs Jesus is doing are signs that are supposed to point to Him as the Savior, and this is exactly what happens in the story. Look what happens next. So the dad's like, that's, that's the hour. That's when he said, my son would be better. Verse 53, verse 53, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And then look at what it says next. And he, what's it say? He, he himself believed and it gets better and all his household This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea and Galilee. Come and ask, go in faith, see him work, believe in him. Come and ask, go in faith, see him work, believe in him. The dad leaving Cana to go back to Capernaum had believed that Jesus would be able to do what he said he would do to heal his son. Now, once he has seen and heard that his son was healed at the very moment that Jesus said it, it now says he himself believed. It brought him to a saving faith. The sign was a sign pointing to his Savior and he embraced his Savior. And not only him... He and his whole household. John's whole gospel is about us seeing these miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus has done. And letting them be this neon sign that points to the fact that he truly is the savior of the world. Now, here's what can happen all too subtly, right? If this is the sign, the miracle, the mighty thing we're asking God to do, and we keep asking and asking and asking, what can, what can happen in human nature? Mark, I need you. You knew I was coming for you, didn't you? What, what can happen is you get to play Jesus in this, okay? Um, what can happen? Jesus, please, please, we're begging you, do it. We see him answer. He gives us the sign, and we say thank you, and we, we go away again with the answered prayer. With the thing we've been asking Him for, and we're like, thank you, I love this, I love this. But we distance ourselves from the Savior until we find ourselves in another what? In another needy place. Stay right there. <laughs> until we find ourselves in another needy place. And then we come back to Jesus again, please do it, please do it, I promise, I'll be so good, I'll do all these things. And He gives us what we ask, and we distance ourselves again. You see this again and again in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges. They go wayward. They cry out to the Lord. The Lord delivers. They're like, thank you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They distance themselves again, and on and on the cycle goes. What must happen as we're seeking the Lord desperately, please, Lord, please, Lord, work. Do this, do this, do this. He says, yes, I love you. Here you go. We got to embrace him. Stay right here. Stay right here. And just stay here. Stay right there. Embrace him as the savior that he is. That dad's son was healed and it led to him embracing Jesus as the savior for who he is. Thank you, Mark. When we, when we just treat Jesus as if he's some cosmic vending machine, what can you do for me now? Please do this for me. Please do this for me now. But we don't see who he is as the son of God and the savior of the world, that that sign is to be a gift that leads me to embrace him. We miss it because he's the ultimate gift. He's the ultimate gift. You know what? The, 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 the miracle of all of this, yes, is that a boy on his deathbed was healed. But then the greater miracle is that this family is taken from spiritual death to spiritual life through embracing him as Savior. And this is what Jesus intends. We must see Jesus for who he is, not just what he can do. Yes, We're coming. We're desperately asking. We're going to come and ask. We're going to go in faith. We're going to watch him work, but we're going to embrace him as Lord. We're going to embrace him as Lord for who he is. Not only what he can do for us, but for who he is. We're going to take him at his word. We're going to trust that if he decides to answer things even differently than we had been praying or hoping for, we will still believe he is the good, sovereign Savior over all of us. And so the, the... For for you in the room today, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer. If you have come today with a desperate need like this father came to Jesus today, my prayer is that you would see the power of King Jesus work in that, but that as you see the power of King Jesus work in that, you would embrace him in faith wholly for the Savior of your life that he is, the way this dad did. My prayer is if you walked in here today and you already do have a relationship with Jesus, you have believed in him to save you from your sins, as you bring desperate requests before the Lord, as you see God work in that, it would lead you to a deeper abiding and embracing Jesus as the king of your life. Because that's what it ultimately is about. And... With that in mind, we, we get to end our time in communion, and that's, this isn't something separate from what we've talked about. It flows right out of what we've talked about. If you'd grab the communion elements, um, communion, communion is it's an ordinance that the Lord has left with his church to observe. The, the Bible guides us on how to think about what's about to happen right here. That there's, there's, there's a worship rhythm we build in as followers of Jesus that get our eyes back on the shed blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That brings us face to face with this reality. Brock, your sin cost the perfect lamb of god his life and for the joy set before him he went and endured that cross and so it, communion is this gift that god gives us to observe together to spark and ignite the worship of the death of our Savior on our behalf. The Bible also says things about how how we're to do this, because the Lord is so good; He knows He knows our hearts. He knows how easy it is for us to go into kind of autopilot when it comes to these rhythms of worship. To go, I've, I've taken communion hundreds of times. Yeah, I, I know what this is all about. Now, stop! Stop! hear what the word of God has to say, that we're not to partake of this in an unworthy manner, but we're to examine ourselves. There's an examining that's to happen where as I prepare to take communion, I'm going, Lord, where have I been flippant with the sin in my life that has cost you your? Lord, where am I believing the lies of shame from the enemy related to that sin instead of embracing the gentle conviction of your spirit to guide me out of that sin? Lord, what do I need to see rightly that I'm not seeing? Lord, will you give me a deeper understanding of what truly happened at Golgotha is a work we're doing to examine ourselves to confess and then in in confessing right because sometimes sometimes confessing oh man that's so heavy there's a heavy element to confession but there is a wonderful joy to confession Um, not planned Um, I got a text this morning I feel a sense to read it right now on that note. If God loved us because we loved Him, He would love us only so long as we loved Him and on that condition. And then our salvation would depend on the constancy of our treacherous hearts. But as God loved us as sinners... As Christ died for us as ungodly, our salvation depends not on our loveliness, but on the constancy of God's love. Richard or Charles Hodge. So, so as we confess, we're just embracing and saying again, my salvation has never been held by how perfectly I could carry this out. You have always been holding my salvation so I can freely confess right now so we examine ourselves. We look at our hearts. We let the Spirit of God search our hearts, and we prepare to remember the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross. Let's just take a few moments, examine your hearts, and I'll lead us through.